0: James uh, chapter 4 and verse 6 is where we'll begin. We're going to look at uh, several scriptures tonight. And um, I want to talk a little bit about why we worship, the value of why we worship. Uh, we've uh, A lot of people have talked about a lot of things in the last five weeks, but these are some funda- foundational things that perhaps you've not thought about. And... Uh, so I want to, for, to just talk to you a little bit about why we worship. James 4 and 6 says this, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Uh, it says, uh, it, it, Scripture says, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. So there is something that comes with the humbling of our hearts in worship. Worship is the ultimate expression of humbling our heart. It is our season and our time together corporately to say, God, you are God. And we are your people, the sheep of your pasture and the work of your hands. So, Lord, you're God, and we recognize that you're God. So the first uh, thing out of the gate that worship does, it, is, it assists us in humility, um, the, the I want you to think about the a uh, couple of other scriptures. You don't have to look them up. But James 4, 7 says, Submit yourselves or humble yourselves uh, then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. She's so happy. That's wonderful. You know the Holy Spirit was never upset by a baby. I think it's wonderful. This is what families do. We raise our children to know God. They get to, she gets to yell and hear and feel the presence of the Lord. And I remember sleeping into the church pew. It didn't hurt anybody. Um, but the, the word says in 4, 7, James 4, 7, Humble yourself or submit yourself, therefore, to God. So uh, worship is really uh, designed by God to assist us in the art and the practice of humility. And I, and I mean to use that word, the art and the practice of humility, because humility does not come natural to humans. And in our culture, it doesn't come natural to us at all. We are self-made, self-motivated, self-educated, self-this, self-that, and self-aware and self-until it's just sickening. Uh, Because the scripture says that our righteousness in in God's sight, our righteousness, not the righteousness Jesus gave you, but any that you have of your own, uh, on your best day, on my best day, is just stinks to God. And so we come with that understanding. That's not popular. Uh, It's not popular to say in our culture, you know, outside of Jesus, you just think. But it's truth. It's gospel truth. There was no approach to God outside of Jesus. The only approach to God outside of Jesus brought death and destruction and judgment. So there is none. And so outside of Jesus... We're just a stanky bunch of folk, and so James says, "Submit yourself then to God. Uh, resist the devil, and he will flee from you." And uh, we, we—I've heard a lot of people talk about resisting the devil and him fleeing, but they leave out the humble or submit yourself to God, and you're not going to get any resistance out of the in out of the enemy outside of a spirit of humility. A spirit of humility is cultivated in worship. I don't think that a person can be truly humble apart from a practice of worship. Because worship causes us to see God the way he is. And when we see God the way he is, we discover us the way we are. It's a mirror. That's what the word says. The word, it's a mirror. So the more you worship him... You're fixing your eyes on him and he's continually reminding you of Jesus. And as he continually reminds you of Jesus, you're able to see yourself the way that he sees you and understand yourself the way that God designed you. And you're able to see your imperfections without condemnation. You see it in worship. People who don't worship never truly get a picture of themselves because the only way for us to truly get a picture of ourselves is for it to be in contrast with almighty god you'll get you get a clear view of who you are when you contrast who you are with almighty god amen and then uh, Proverbs 16 and 18 tells us that pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. So a person who has difficulty with worship. I knew a young man when I was growing up. He was a very good friend of mine. And he said, what is this thing with God that he wants us to go around? Oh, praise you, praise you all the time. And you know what I heard? I heard pride. I heard arrogance. Does God need us to worship him? Does it make him better? No. It makes us better. Right. Worship makes you better. Because it helps you see you. And then when you see you, and when you uh, uh, are able to see you in light of Jesus, you become even more grateful for what Jesus did for you because you realize your great need of him. And, uh, and it causes you to be humble in his presence. It causes you uh, to not be lifted up in pride. And then he can make you successful. He can bless you. He can pour out into you because you'll stay humble. Worship. Worship's a key. I, I believe biblically that worship is the first step to humility. And I don't think that you can get to humility apart from it. Acts chapter 17, uh, verse 24 says this. God who made the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands as though he needed anything, since he gives life, breath, And all things. Worship causes us to recognize God for who He is. I think that the writer in Acts probably came to those conclusions in worship, or at least in a spirit of worship or an attitude of worship. We pay deep, sincere, awesome respect, love, and show the appropriate fear of the Lord uh, toward the one who created us when we worship. Worship is our opportunity to express our sincere, sincere uh, expressions of love and appreciation. And there's really not... Um, I mean, there are other ways doing the, work, doing the works of ministry that God has called us to, appropriate expressions of our appreciation. I believe if you lived hard for the devil, you probably ought to live hard for God and, and pour it on, you know, and that kind of thing. And, I, and all of that is expressions out of our life. But everything that we do toward the kingdom of God and toward uh, our relationship with the Lord is in, uh, in some form an expression of worship. If it's full of the right heart of humility. And, and so I think that, that he, came, he concluded that God, who made the world and everything in it, since he is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not dwell, in temples made with hands as though he needed anything since he gives life breath and he gives all things. Uh, uh, The writer concluded that in Acts uh, in a spirit of worship. And of course the scripture tells us, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Lord? It's interesting to me that David wanted to build God a temple and uh, to build God a dwelling place on the earth, so to speak, because in the, con- in the concept that David had, God was in that box they were carrying around. And he said, I'm really tired of seeing God in a box, in a tent. He Really, that's what he concluded, because God was becoming more to him than that. And so he wanted to create this great temple for God to dwell in. And uh, we discover, as we study Scripture, that yeah, God was in the box, and He was in the tent, and so is He in everything else. And he is, And, and when, when David came to full discovery of that, he said, "Where can I go from the presence of the Lord?" Maybe they, they begin to sing this psalm. Where can I go? They were singing. Where can I go from the presence of the Lord? If I go high into the heavens, He is there. If I make my bed in hell, He is there. Anywhere I go in, anywhere I go in creation. If I go there, I will find him there. All of a sudden, God doesn't fit in a box anymore. I don't think God wants to fit in a box anymore. What he wants to fit is in the temple, the holy place that he created us to be. Do you not know that your body is a temple, the Holy Spirit? Then he tells us, therefore, present your body as a living sacrifice, which is humbling ourselves, and is part of our worship. Man, I'm preaching to myself now. Something else that happens in worship that I think that, that continues to need to be a part of the foundation of our understanding of worship. In James 4.8, he tells us, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Worship is an invitation from you for God to draw near. Did you humble yourself before him, you're saying to the Lord, Lord, draw near to me, Lord, come, come near to me, come close to me. Do you know the Lord wants to hear that invitation? He wanted Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden to be waiting for him in the cool of the day. He wanted to find them in their assigned place. He wanted to hear them saying, here we are, we've come to sit with you. And then suddenly they were hidden and he comes into the garden and it's not that he didn't understand what was going on, but he said, where are you and why are you hiding from me? Because what he was accustomed to was them waiting with an invitation, come, let's sit together, let's fellowship, let's love one another, let's, let's interact together. So, so James said, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And I, I find this in a lot of people's lives, and I think that it has to do with, uh, with a, a lot of times with us humbling our heart. I find people who go through seasons of dryness and they say, I have been so dry. Well, the Bible says, draw near to God. Dry and distance will tell you something and he didn't move away. I think I've heard Benjamin say that before. He didn't pull away from you. So if there's dry and if there's distance, you haven't come for a drink in a while. And you haven't come for fellowship in a while. So that's a very easy thing to address, although it may take uh, some discipline and some consistency to address Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Now listen to this. Worship should cause us to reflect on the majesty, the graciousness of God, contrasted to our own unworthiness. We've already said that. God does not have uh, to have our worship, but we need to worship. We need to worship. It pleases him. So our singing, our praying, I'm so glad worship isn't just singing or just dancing, or just clapping, or just standing, or just the things that we do in corporate worship. As you read scripture, you find out that your life becomes an expression of worship. Our singing, our praying, our studying of his word, our giving, our communion, they're all designed by God to bring us closer to him and to cause us, listen to this, to think more like he thinks. We want to. We, we continually talk about uh, being led by the Spirit, hearing the voice of the Spirit, knowing the Word, and certainly balancing the Word and and the Spirit. If you don't, if if the Holy Spirit comes, or if you if if you begin to hear or receive. Uh, things and you believe they are from God, all you have to do is look in this book and find out if, they are, if there's a foundation under them from the Word, and if there's a foundation under them from the Word and they're not conflicted with what God has uh, written and spoken uh, in His Word, then chances are and the likelihood is that you're hearing from God. Then the scripture says the other thing that you do is you take to the council of other believers and, and you submit to them and, uh, and you have a conversation with them about what you're hearing and if, if uh, the, the elders, the believers, those that are over you in the Lord uh, are in agreement with you and, and see that you're hearing from God, now you can hear from God and everybody be in disagreement with you. I want to help you with that right now. It's all right. We'll find out how humble we really are when we're hearing from God and we think everybody around us doesn't think we're hearing from God. That'll check your humility really fast. <laughs> but when we worship God, when we're in the word, or, or being in the word and praying in the spirit or being led by the spirit, uh, will be incomplete unless we are worshipers. Because the worship takes us to a different place in the presence of God. You have a different experience in the presence of God when you are praying than you do when you are worshipping. You have a different experience in the presence of God when you are reading his Word and and the Holy Spirit speaking to you out of his Word and teaching you out of his Word than you do when you are worshipping. You have a different experience in the presence of God when you're in a spirit or in an environment of intercession, deep prayer in behalf of the saints or in behalf of the nations or or, uh, uh, an environment of warfare and prayer. You're in a different environment in the presence of God than you are when you are in worship. But I like what I think early in this series, Becky said, when you worship God, when you praise, you're, you're, you're thanking God and you're expressing to him all the wonderful things he's done for you and how great God is and, and all that you see in your life uh, that he has uh, responded to you and that he's answered your prayer and that he's met your need. And all of those things come out of you at the level of praise. When we move into worship, we begin to see God maybe differently than we've ever seen him before. We begin to experience him in a new place. Worship causes there to come an interaction between you and God. When you move to worship, there's an interaction where God is revealing himself to you. And when we can... Now listen, that's a different environment than intercession. That's a different environment than prayer and praise. That's a different environment than uh, studying the word. Worship takes you to a place where God can reveal himself to you. And I have yet for God to reveal himself to me uh, that I didn't see something I've never seen before. And I've walked with God all of my life. And there's yet so much of him that he has yet to reveal the deep things of God. I'm telling you, it's exciting because there's never a time when there's not a new facet of insight and understanding that can be discovered in him and the greatest way to do that if the word is in us and the spirit is present there no matter how new we are in the things of the lord or how long we've walked with him there's a great expression of new facets of who he is i'm reminded i'll tell you guys this little story and then we'll go on here there was a a man who had been to seminary i may have told this before and if i have please forgive me it's happening now okay um but at least my wife tells me it is. But there was this man who had been to seminaries years ago, back in the circuit writing preacher days, and, and he had been to seminary, and he would invested his life in the study of the Word of God, and he had accomplished his degree, and he was going to be sent out to work in the kingdom of God and preach in churches and evangelize and pastor and do all the things that people who come out of seminary do. And... Uh, so the first assignment they sent him on, uh, his overseers sent him into a little country church in the middle of the, uh, of the eastern, uh, probably Ozark-type mountains or something like that, just sent him to this little country church where there's this little gathering of people, and he got up and he preached the word, and he opened the Bible and expounded the word, and all that had been poured into him, all of those years began to come out, and he began to have an expression of this great deposit of the word of God that was in him. It was a very poor church and at the end of this sermon or service uh, they thanked him for his ministry and one of the little ladies in the church invited him for lunch and said I know you have a long journey ahead of you would you like to have lunch with me and uh, he said yes and so this little grandma lady uh, took off down the trail and, and he followed her to what he described as a humble little shack in, in the middle of the, the forest there. And, and when he went in, there's this little table and a little oil lamp. There was not even any electricity in those days in, in her house. And uh, she had stumps where they had cut down trees, and they had turned stumps into chairs. And they were sitting around this little table on these stumps, and she was preparing his meal. And uh, he said on the table was this big Bible, and it was just worn out, her Bible, And so she sits down to lunch with him and she says, preacher, she says, you just did a really good job. She says, I just enjoyed listening to the word that you shared today. And he said, thank you. And uh, he said, she, she says to him, can I show you something that the Lord has shown me from his word? And he said, yes, I'd be delighted. He said, that's what he said to her. But he said what he was thinking was, lady, I've been in seminary. I have read that Bible from cover to cover. I've taken every test imaginable. What possibly could you... He's thinking she probably didn't even get to 6th or 8th grade. What could you possibly show me? But he said, I just said it sure I'd be delighted. And he said she opened her Bible and she read a scripture and she began to expound the word to him thing, and and reveal mysteries that he had never known. And he sat there with tears running down his face, and he said he was humbled in the presence of the Lord as he realized that it is the Holy Spirit who is our teacher. And for all of his book learning and all of his effort and all of his truly genuine heart toward the Lord uh, did not make up for the years that she had spent sitting in that little cabin under the light of that oil lamp, wearing out that Bible and worshiping God. And he found, a, he found a discovery in the secret place. And, and I hope that worship will take you to the secret place. Help you to think more like God thinks. A couple more scriptures tonight. Philippians 2.5 said, Let this mind be in you which was in Christ. It's always been a question uh, in the minds of people. How do we take on the mind of Christ? Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Romans 12, 2 says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And I just submit to you that our worship not only honors and magnifies God, but it also, uh, for our, it's also for our own edification and strength. When I walk in here, I'm carrying the baby up and down the aisle, and we're just worshiping God together, and all of that is going on. Something is going, Something begins to stir. It doesn't take very long either. It doesn't take two songs to get me there. But something begins to stir in me, and all of a sudden I begin to speak to the Lord and begin to be built up in His presence. And we're built up together. Worship edifies us and strengthens us. Worship helps us develop God-like, Christ-like character. Do you you have the experience? Let's talk about character for a minute. Do you have the experience when you're in worship where it sounds like the enemy's coming and saying, you don't deserve to be here, and he starts reminding you of every little thing you've ever done or or that uh, you got mad at work the other day and said, things you shouldn't have said or you snapped at somebody uh, in your workplace or whatever. He begins to just point out the flesh that is in you. I used to think that that was the enemy because because the enemy doesn't want to keep us out of worship. But the enemy is not omnipresent. The devil cannot be everywhere at one time. So he can't be up whispering in my ear and whispering in yours at the same time. So what's exact, what is going on there? I think as we, the closer we get to God, the more aware we are of our own imperfections. I don't think that it should... If, if, your, if your mind is not renewed, those thoughts will come with condemnation. If your mind is renewed through the word of God, and you understand that there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, you'll say, thank you, Lord, for making me aware of that. Let's just scrub up right now so I can get on in. Right? So those thoughts that are produced, worship will produce self-awareness, will produce uh, uh, the thought processes of, "I'm not really worthy to go here outside of Jesus." And begin to and, and when we're worshiping God, there may be times when you become aware of your own imperfections. Instead of thinking that that's the devil trying to keep you out of the presence of God, just take that as, a, ooh, here's a place where I can humble myself before the Lord, and I can say, Lord, just make sure that's all right. Let's whoop up on that devil in this area. Let's whoop up on that stronghold and break that down. I tear that down in the name of Jesus. I've learned to just say, okay, Lord, are you, are you making me aware of, uh, of a place where there's an idol in my heart or a stronghold in me? Let's just tear it down right now and worship. Do you know that worship will go to a new level if we'll just pray that way? So we let this, the, the mind of Christ be in us, and God begins to de- develop God-like, Christ-like character. It's, it's a true fact we become like those we admire. You ever seen anybody... Uh, well, they say that, that when somebody begins to mirror you if, you, if you have a little bit of an accent and someone gets around you and all of a sudden you notice they're picking up your accent or something like that, they're mirroring you, they're admiring you. It's probably subconscious. They may not even realize it, but they're admiring you. They become more like you. I'm really bad about it. If, if I'm back east and I'm among all those southerners and they start talking, and before you know it, I'm saying, y'all come. Y'all call us now. It just happens. It's kind of a natural thing that happens. Worship God because you become like those you admire. As you admire him, you just become more like him. As you become more like him, you just see more of him and you admire him more. And you become more like him. It's a vicious cycle and it's wonderful. So we become like those we admire and worship. And when we worship God, we tend to value what God values and gradually take on the characteristics and the qualities of the God who created us. Never to his level, but we tend to take on his characteristics. I think having a life of worship, Benjamin, you could probably attest to this even more so than I because you've been a leader of worship. But a life of worship has helped me raise my kids. Because the more that I see of God. And the more that I take on his character. And the more that his characteristics are deposited in me. The, the easier it is to make decisions. Because when you value what God values. Then there's things you just won't let in your house. There's things that aren't going to happen around your world. As for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. There's just some stuff that ain't going to go on here. The more you value Him, the more you take on His values. You'll spend your money differently. You'll treat your money differently. You'll treat your uh, possessions very differently. I used to hang on to stuff forever. Now I get rid of stuff, and three months later, I wish I had it. But I realize it all belongs to the Lord. If, if I've got something that's sitting there and I can't use it, and, or if I, even sometimes when I've got things I can use, and I hear... You know, I, have, uh, I was at a seminar a few weeks back. I can't wait till Christmas Eve because uh, my nephew will be over. I was at a seminar uh, training event in Southern California a few weeks back, months back. And I went to the table, and I bought a book and a Bible, and I had no understanding why I was buying. I was just buying. I said, I want to see what this guy's made of. And I began to buy materials that probably didn't really interest me looking back. But I had this desire to buy them. And when I bought them and paid for them, I heard the Lord say, that's for your nephew. I want you to give them to him. And they've been laying on my nightstand. I've been praying, Lord. When I give these to him, cause him to eat them and cause him to desire the learning that is in there for him, the things that you want to reveal to him. And there were books written by an apologist that talks about creation and uh, and the challenges in this generation that that it just kind of all happened and, and all it's all addressed in this material. And, and the Lord told me, you get them for him, you give them to him. So that's not for you, that's for him. And so you realize... Even the things that you purchase or the things that you possess, they become submitted to God. The more you worship Him, the more you realize. And we've discovered that everything we have belongs to Him, not 10% of it. It's all His. It's all His. He's just good enough to give us use of some of it. But it's all His. And it's much easier that way. If it's all His... I don't, have as much, I don't have as much pressure as I had when I'm trying to obtain it. It's all his. It's all his. Cast your care on the Lord. I like that, Roger. You always say that. So we renew our mind as we study and meditate on God and as we worship him. Your mind is renewed in worship. Then Colossians 3 two, the last verse I'm going to give you tonight. It says, set your mind on things above and not on things of the earth. What better way? What better way? When we worship God, we develop traits such as forgiveness, tenderness, justice, righteousness, purity, kindness, and love. All of this is preparing us for eternal life in heaven. Everything that you're doing here is preparing you for eternity. I had, I had a great discovery in that when, when my dad passed. And when he stepped into the presence of God with such an excitement about what his future held. I'd never been at the, at the bed of someone who was dying who was talking to me about what the future held for them. So excited to go. I wanted to lay hands on him, raise him up. You couldn't have got him back here to, for anything. Nothing in this world would have brought him back here because he was talking about what God had for him over there. He, he had turned his attention. And all of a sudden, I began to study, and I began to dig, and I began to try to discover what created that in him. And I began to realize that God sent us here as preparation time, my daddy used to say when I was a little boy, Don't you think you, you hear them sing, uh, they're going to sit down by the river and all that kind of stuff? He said, Don't you think you're going to be sitting down at the Jordan River just dangling your feet in the river and, and, and the angels are going to be flying around, you're going to be singing La di da? Don't you think that you have an assignment? You have an eternal assignment. He said, You be faithful over a few things, I'll make you ruler over many. Do you think that if you're faithful over a few things, it's going to make you rule over many things here in the earth? He said, Abraham died not yet having received the promise. But see, God doesn't look at it. He doesn't, he doesn't make you a promise. And then, and then when you die and they put you in the grave, they go, whoa, that, oh, that was the strangest thing. Got that big old prophecy about all they were going to accomplish, and now they're dead. Well, in God, that didn't change anything. Just because you laid that body. He wasn't talking to that body anyway. He was talking to the Spirit that was in you. He was making great and precious promises. His promises are eternal, eternal. So if he makes you a promise and you go to your grave with that promise, harbor it in your heart, and know that that great getting that morning, woohoo! Promise is going to be fulfilled. Worship will renew your mind and give you eternal perspective. You know, uh, Jesus said that. Uh, Or the word says that in Christ we are seated together with him in heavenly places. I used to think that was spiritual. And you had your carnal stuff over here and your spiritual stuff over there. And I discovered in worship we're seated with him in heavenly places. We're there. We're there. We're there. And how I know that's true? Go in the Old Testament. When the uh, prophet was surrounded by the enemy... And his little assistant was freaking out.
1: Oh, my God, we're
0: surrounded. They're going to destroy us. The prophet reaches over like a good old boy and puts his hand on the guy's head and says, Lord, open his eyes so he can see what's really going on here. And all of a sudden, his eyes are open. And he's screaming that the armies of the Lord are far greater than those that are gathered around him. What God allowed him to do was simultaneously see within the dimensions. We're seated with Christ in heavenly places. If your eyes could be open, that seat in heavenly places is far more real than the building you're sitting in. When God says this is all temporary, it's because that's all permanent. We're seated with him in heavenly places. When we worship above all else, let's get an eternal perspective. Things that come our way in this life will not be nearly so, so devastating if we will think with eternal perspective. Worship will help you get there. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for what we've heard in the last five weeks of study together and of worship together. We thank you. We've taken a little longer time each night for worship, and and we've experienced worship a little differently. Father, I pray that the word that we have received that our hearts were cultivated for it in the, in the spirit of worship presence of worship so would you take us to the circumstance that that that, would you cause us to arrive at the circumstance that we realize that our worship is far greater than our corporate experience our worship uh, is in our personal experience our our experience at home in the prayer closet our worship is in our giving our worship is in our bible study our worship is in our prayer time our worship is in, in in every aspect of what we do that is kingdom driven would you cause us to be renewed in our mind? And would you cause us to begin to take on eternal perspective? Eternal perspective. And all these things will give you praise. It's been wonderful to worship you together. But may it, be, may it become more wonderful as we experience you in new facets new facets of who you are. There's an old song. You probably know
1: it. It says, Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth Will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Let's sing it together again. Turn your eyes upon Jesus.
0: I pray that your worship causes you to be able to turn your eyes upon Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We fix our eyes upon you, Lord, the author and the finisher of our faith. And we give you praise. Amen? Amen. All right. Well, praise the Lord. You can bless one another. And as far as Wednesday nights are concerned, we'll see you here on January 8th. And... uh, Meanwhile, have a wonderful Christmas holiday, and we'll see you on Sunday morning for our Christmas service and then on Sunday night for our communion and then finger food fellowship, finger food and desserts afterwards because everyone's trying to be on a diet, right? Amen. All right, Lord bless you. Greet one another.